Uh, what? One. Uh, what? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to get another episode of the Philly Bandwagon Podcast. Ryan Michaels here with your boy Chip Tiernan. What it do? It's March Madness, baby. It's time for brackets. It's time for upsets. It's time for Villanova to win again. It's time for everyone who's hating on Villanova to stop talking. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. Anything to update there, Chip? Uh, go Cats. Go Cats. Go freaking Cats. God, I love the Cats. I know. Did I ever tell you the story? How about I was there when uh, Chris Jenkins made that shot? <sighs> Only every day. I ever tell you how it was the best moment of my life? Yes. I don't even know if having a kid born would be the best moment of my life after that one. All right. Let's not say anything that you're going to regret later in life. I'm sorry, future son or daughter. I know you're going to be important. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe. Anyways, the Sixers have been really pissing me off. So on one end, I'm super hyped up for college basketball. I'm filling out my tournament brackets. And then on the other end, the Sixers have been playing like – they've just been playing really poorly, honest to God. Offensively, James Harden has been struggling. We can talk for hours about what the hell's going on, but just really shortly, just for time, what's the biggest issue you see? Well, for me, I mean, you know, he's – a, he's just, you know, he's struggling with a shot, and B, I think he's just he's searching for fouls a little bit too much, mm-hmm. uh, especially in that Brooklyn game. Um, you know, I mean, they, you know, they 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 squeaked by Orlando last night as we record this. Uh, they're playing Denver as we speak. The game just started, so you know, we'll see how they play tonight. But um, yeah, just the last two games, um, especially the Brooklyn game, like I said, he was really. Um, you know, not letting his game do the talking. He was more, you know, he was doing the talking mostly at the refs, not getting calls. So I think, you know, he was just, the biggest thing for me was just he was searching for uh, for too many fouls in that game. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't, I, I think that it's more along the lines of James Harden still is a ball dominant player. And we knew that when we traded for him, when he doesn't have his shot going, he has to move the ball quicker. And it wasn't just him that didn't show up. Tyrese Maxey's been struggling. Matisse Thibel's been struggling. Uh, Furkan Korkmaz has lost his entire sense of playing basketball. <laughs> uh, George Niang might be the only bench player that I trust at this point. Agreed. So, Shake Milton, you know, he had he was a guy who grew on me and then immediately just pushed me back away. Cause I don't want anything so, to do with shake getting major. So minutes. Admit, you know, he's so inconsistent. Um, you when know. he's on, we like the shake Milton game. Like, yeah. But when he's off, it's just, he doesn't even know what he's doing. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's a pro basketball player, but you know what I mean? He looks like he's lost. Yeah. Uh, there's, I think the biggest problem, and we'll talk about this in the podcast it's really their defense and getting off to the slow starts as well. 
Uh, yeah, let's let's save that because we got a couple other things to talk about. Cover the tournament, cover the Sixers. Baseball, lockout, over, deal, done. Thank God, Thank God man. Huge, huge news. Uh, I forget what day it was, but whatever it was, um, I immediately texted you. I texted my dad. I texted my brother. I mean, I was just – it just felt like a weight was lifted off me, man. Um, it, it was really important for the game of baseball to survive – Yes. And I mean that they're not ever go- I don't think they're ever going to disappear, but they have to work to make changes. And I know a lot of people didn't like the getting rid of the shift and things like that. Well, we'll go over all the changes, but yeah. there are things that are for the betterment of the game. And I'm talking about the long term existence of the game that I don't care if people can complain about. And like I might complain about some of them, but right. they work out. They work out. Yeah, I agree, man. Um you know, people, there's going to, like we said in the past, yeah, there's people going to be looking both ways. Um, but I think the moves that were made and, um, like you said, it, it just, it had to happen in order for the game to, you know, stay afloat basically. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, lockouts over free agency is back underway and, you know, uh, we've had a few trades. We'll get to that later in the podcast as well, but, um, you know, and they're starting spring training back up this week coming up. So I'm excited. Big, big stuff. Good stuff. I'm happy about it. Signings. We'll go over a lot of movement in the league, a whole lot of movement. Speaking of movement, NFL movement as well. And that was what I was going to get to. Finally Eagles. Yeah. Hassan Reddick. Big move. Big move. Love it. So we'll uh, we'll glance over who other targets could possibly be and how that might change up the draft strategy. Uh, but for right now, I got nothing left. What you say, Chip A? Cue the Rocky music. You're listening to a Philly Sports Nation production, enhancing your Philly sports experience. For the first time in a long time, let's get in the huddle and talk some birds, baby. Let's go birds. Birds. Go birds. God, I missed that. I know. Football. I miss football, honestly. Every Sunday, the best part about this year is that I'm not going to have a gut-wrenching class that I have homework to do all day Sunday. That's going to be great. I just hope I don't have another gut-wrenching class where I have to do homework all day Sunday. I'm in graduate school, if you guys didn't know that. And, uh, Chip, can you, can you inform the people of what I went through every Sunday during football season this year up until uh, the middle of December? Yeah, I mean, he would, you know, I mean, obviously he would have one red zone. I mean, of course. Um, Look, I need I needed Scott Hansen to get me through that. Well, of course, yeah. Um, but during that time, he would be doing homework the entire time. And, you know. It's, it's not, you know, the, I mean, we said this on the podcast before, the best case scenario is, you know, you wake up on Sunday at like 12, right? You flip on, you know, re, well, here's what you do. You check your fantasy lineups first, you know, grab, get ready, grab some food, you know, flip on, flip on red zone with like five minutes left, do the countdown. And then Scott Hansen's beautiful face pops on the screen. You're like. All right, it's time. As soon as you hear seven hours, you know your day has oh, begun. 
oh yeah, you know, you know, you're 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 living it. So, you know, and hear me out. I, I'm pretty sure someone has said this very famous. So I'm not trying to steal anything from anybody. So whoever said this, if you if anyone could just tag me and tell me, because I want to know. But the only thing a guy wants to do is nothing. Yeah, pretty simple. If I had nothing to do, I'd be a happy camper. Same. I think we all would. Because then, you know, I, I do like to do things. But I don't like to do lists. And again, I, you know, I, I believe I have heard someone say this before, and I remember resonating with it so well, being like, oh, my God, you're right. I love doing nothing, but not nothing in that sense, like things that I want to do without anyone telling me to do them. Essentially, what I'm saying is don't tell me what to do, and I'm happy. Yeah, pretty Unless simple. you're paying I'm, me. I mean, yeah, we, I mean, as, you know, we, we, we live simple lives, you know, we, we enjoy sports, especially football. And, you know, when it's that time, you know, we don't like to be disturbed. So anyway. I enjoy sports, my Friday beers and video games. Yeah. There are three things I like. I don't enjoy working out, but I do. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, who does, you know, except I mean, I don't think anyone there are some people who genuinely are fitness freaks, which I mean, all the power to you if you can do that. Fine. But back, back to football. The Eagle scientists on Reddick. <laughs> yeah, we went on a tangent there. Sorry. Um, yeah, Son Reddick, man, love it. I love it for the for the Eagles, man. Um, you know, I mean, he's you know he's what we needed, man. Uh, you know, good quality edge rusher. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but he's like top five in the league in the last two seasons in sacks. No, um, he's really good. And when you texted me, I said that's a really good signing. Like, it, yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah, I mean, and then, you know, I think we got him for a good deal. Uh, three years, you know, 45. Up, to, up to 45 mil, I think. Uh, so, I mean, 45 was like incentives and stuff, but I mean, still, you know, a great deal. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, we, he's what we needed, man. I mean, I mean, I know we need a lot of things, um, but, you know, he could play, I mean, especially edge rusher. I'm, I'm hoping they primarily keep him at edge rusher, um, but I mean, he's had he has experience playing off the ball linebacker, which, uh, you know, I don't know if he's the Eagles going to want him to do that, but he can. He's, he has experience, but he's definitely best uh, on the edge. Um, so, you know, I mean, hopefully Eagles aren't done yet, but a uh, really good start for them so far. So I really do think that this isn't the only move that the Eagles are going to make. I think that there's going to be one more move. I've read that they're looking to meet with Deshaun Watson now that that situation's kind of fizzled out. I don't think – I mean, he, he's still Deshaun Watson. He's still really talented, but yeah, I don't want to give up those draft picks at this point. I, I think you could actually – with that signing of Hassan Reddick, I think you could solidify that defense for the next eight years. Uh, for sure, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, I think I agree. Um yeah, there's been there's been rumors obviously ever since the the um you know it came out and he was you know I don't, I don't want to go into everything but um you know I think he, I think he's meeting with the Panthers I think he's meeting with uh, the Colts oh no because the Texans didn't say they wanted the Colts because they're in the same division but um he's meeting with a few teams Eagles were not one of them but you know they still could come in and make a deal if they wanted to but I think I agree I think you gotta you, you have too many holes um. 
you know. It, like, having Deshaun Watson would be great, but then you would yeah. fall yourself into one of those Aaron Rodgers categories in Green Bay where you have an amazing offense and your defense is cancer. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm not comparing you know, Sean Watson to Aaron Rodgers, but I think you're right, saying right. that. Um, yeah, I mean, you need a defense. I mean, it's simple as that. I mean, you know, defenses win championships, and that's not just a saying, it's facts. Um, so, you know, if the Eagles can continue to build up that defense, um, you know, they still, have, they still have the veterans in there, like Graham, who's coming back off injury, and they still have Cox, even though he's been rumored in trades, but I don't think it'll happen. Um, and he still has Slay. Um, you know, so, but, you know, like, like we said, there's some holes and you need safety still. You still need linebacker. Um, I still think you could go edge if you wanted to in the draft just to add as much talent as there as you possibly can. Um, but, uh, but definitely, like I said, definitely a good start to free agency for them. And um, I think a pretty good deal in, in getting a, a, a really good edge rusher. So, I, I think that the Eagles, they're, they're going to be in good shape if they keep going the route that they're going. Um, we're going to start talking about draft a little bit later because the tournament hype is a little too much right now. I haven't really had too much time to focus on it. Um, I know, Chip, that's your thing. So um, the tournament's mine. So sure, we're, we're, sure. we're almost yep. there. We're, we're in both of our wheelhouses right now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. The yeah, tournament's here and the draft's approaching. Yeah, I'm definitely in draft mode. Um, it's You know, it's, it's good because, like, we cover – you know, you're more into college basketball. I'm more into drafting. You know, you're definitely better at hockey than I am. And uh, so I think we have our, our bases covered pretty much. So I'll be honest, this year I, I checked myself out of hockey. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't help when your team's awful. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but like just hockey knowledge in general, I think you're definitely a step ahead of me there. So. We're going to save the tournament for the end. I feel like that's a great thing to wrap up on. Mm. Uh, it's just starting. I feel like after the first round, we'll have much more to talk about. Uh, but with the uh, – let's go – yeah, let's move into the Sixers. They're playing the Nuggets right now, and they didn't come out to a slow start. Yeah. So that was going to be a topic of conversation for me. Yeah. They have to if, – if they can continue to not have these slow starts, they're going to be fine. But the way that they were coming out – the way that they came out against Brooklyn won, that was the most hyped regular season game that I've seen since Happy Harden Day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, to come out like that, that was pathetic. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Definitely uh, – yeah, it was unfortunate, man, really unfortunate. Um like you said, you know, so much hype building into that game and, um, you know, they just came out and, and they didn't perform. Um, so, I mean, and, you know, that's been happening for a while, you know, these last, these last couple games, you know, the Miami game, they didn't shoot really well at all. Um, you know, the Cleveland, Cleveland and Chicago game, actually, they came out slow. Um, so it is definitely an issue. Um, but it's good to see right now as we're watching the game, uh, the first quarter just ended and they're up by like, uh, I think it's they're up by double digits. Let's put it double that way. Digits, yeah, I'm terrible at math, as you can see, but um, it's streaming in the background and we weren't yeah, really yeah. talking to each other. Forgive us. Uh, but yeah, so it's definitely a good thing to see that they're coming out, especially against a good team like the Nuggets. Um, you know, they really struggled last night again, shooting against the Magic. They did squeak out a win, which was good in overtime. But um, look, uh, Tobias yeah. Harris had a good game yesterday, but. It was that game was bad. Yeah. 
you have to blow those teams out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I was actually surprised that uh, everyone played. I thought they would give somebody a day off, but um, especially too big now, of the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely. That was, I mean, that first half yet yeah, last night against the Magic was was brutal. If you watch the game, um, it was dead. I mean, they 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 came out real real slow, but you know, luckily they they were able to climb themselves back in the game and they were able to squeak out a win uh, yesterday. And hopefully, you know, that continues into the night. Uh, so far, so good though. So uh, wait, let's. Uh, I know we briefly touched upon it in the intro, but with Harden being ball dominant and when he's off his game. And, you know, he's allowed to be. I'm not worried about it. It's just what adjustments do you think they need to make when – specifically, what, what adjustments do you think James Harden needs to make in this offense to make it work when he's not having his best of days? Well, like I said in the, in, in the intro, he's got to stop searching for fouls. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I understand his game is, is uh, you know, a heavy part of it is him going to the line and beats too. Um, but if you're not getting calls, then you can't keep forcing it. Um, and if you're not shooting well – um, then, you know, it's just going to, it's not going to work, obviously. Um, so I think, you know, if, if hard to struggle and then he knows it, um, I think you just got to feed and beat, honestly, man. Um, you know, you have one of the best players at the position, if not the best, you know, I mean, front runner for MVP in our opinion, obviously. Um, so I think when you're off shooting, just give it to Embiid, man. I mean, Embiid knows what he's doing down there. Um, you know, and he can, I mean, even, even on his off nights, he gets you 27 and 10. I mean, so I think when you're struggling, you know, feed the other guys, you know, maybe if you're struggling, let, let Maxi, you know, do his thing or, or let, you know, Tobias, you know, do his thing as well. But I think the biggest thing would be just feed him when you're off, man. I mean, it's pretty simple. Well, I mean, Maxi was non-existent against Brooklyn. He didn't have his best game yeah. against Orlando either. Uh, Matisse Thibel yeah. wasn't that great against Brooklyn. And he also had zero points against Orlando. Yeah, there's no excuse for Matisse Thibel to have zero points. He well, should yeah. be a, he should be involved in the game somehow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he got into foul trouble in in the Orlando game. He only played 18 minutes, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's got to be. I think uh, you know, he's got to be more involved. I think Harden needs to get him involved a little bit more. Um, you know, Matisse. You know, he, it's hard for him. He can't really he, – he can't create his own shot. So he's got – you know, he needs playmakers around him for in order for him to get a good shot. Um, and that just wasn't happening. So, you know, it'll be up it'll be up to, you know, Maxi and, and Harden especially in order for him to, to get back involved in the offense. Um, we, we all know he's great defensively. Um, so I think, you know, that's – a lot of Harden. I think the difference between him, obviously Maxi, Maxi can create his own shot. I think Maxi just not being aggressive. It's a simple fix. Um, I just think, you know, with everything going on with with Harden looking for fouls and you know he's doing everything himself and all that, Maxi didn't really get an opportunity to, you know, define his shot. So um, and you know last night Harris had a really nice game against Orlando. So you know it was the, the ball was in Tobias's hand instead of Maxi. So. And that's fine. If Harris wants to go off, go, you know, by all Go with the hot hand when that happens, you know? So, um, you know, that's the difference between Maxi and, and Matisse. You know, Matisse is kind of forced to, um, you know, he, he can't, like I said, he's forced to put everything on Harden because Harden's going to set everything up for him. Maxi can do it himself, so. 
So let, let's shift away from the offense a little bit because uh, I think we touched everything there. The, the issues are very obvious offensively. Yeah. So it's and, not. And, you know, these these things are fixable, man. They just they were just struggling shooting the ball. Yeah. Now, the other teams are not struggling shooting the ball against the Sixers. No. That's yeah, the problem. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, uh, I mean, the main thing is defense, right? I mean, especially when we come out slow like that. It's all the defense. Um, you know, they're they're making the shots because they're getting easy looks. Um, you know, sometimes they make hard shots and you, you got to just tip your cap at them. But when, when they're getting wide open looks, I mean, it seemed to me, especially in the Brooklyn game, I mean, Curry and Irving, excuse me, and, and even Durant, I mean, they were just wide open, man. I mean, you can't let those guys just be, just l- let them go off in free reign. Um, you you got to put a body on them or, or something. Um, so I think defensively, they got to do a lot of better, a lot of a better job, um, especially coming out in the first quarter. So I, I agree with you. I think the fact that Seth Curry was so open, yeah, you got to have him covered. Yeah. Kyrie Irving, you have to cover him too. And KD is so versatile and tall. He can make his own shot anywhere. Right. You know, just- a lot of the strategy against Brooklyn is kind of just like sometimes you just got to let KD go off and everyone else cover. Yeah, you can't you can't let uh, other guys go off too. Like KD's going to get his obviously, um, but you know you got to limit Curry, especially you got to try to limit Irving. I know Irving's a really good player, um, but you got to try to do your best and limit those guys because, um, like you said, uh, Durant's going to get his no matter what. It doesn't matter who you put on him; he's going to get his. They came out with a different intensity than the Sixers did, honestly, in my mind. They wanted that game more, and it showed. And I watched that whole abomination. We were talking with each other during it, and for, what, all of the second half, I don't think we said more than ten words. Yeah, yeah, it was it was just it was utter silence, honestly. Um, but, yeah, they did. They came out, and, and, you know, they won the game a lot more than the Sixers did. Uh, they just did. Um, defensively, they were really good. They're not really a defensive team. Uh, but they they played good defense against us, um, uh, you know, and defensively, we just couldn't do anything. Uh, I mean, they were getting whatever they wanted. Um, and like you said, you know, the big thing, they, they just wanted the game more. It was obvious. Um, and, you know, you can't, especially in a game like that, you know, where the hype is so immense, you know, you're at home, um, you know, you just got to do a better job of coming out with more um, aggressive aggressiveness and just more intensity. You couldn't have said it better. Yeah. That's it. And there, there's going to be big games like this. I don't think that it's impossible to beat Brooklyn. I just think that you can't play that poorly and expect a different outcome. Agreed. So let's move on. The lockout is over. It's over, man. Finally. It's finally over. Feels so good. They agreed to ban the shift in 2023, so we still have one more year of that crap. Yep. Uh, the Ghost Runner is coming back, unfortunately. Yeah, I did hear about that. I don't know. Is that like is that a legit thing? Yeah, the players like it. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I, if I'm being honest, it gives the home team such an advantage. And the one thing that really frustrates me with the second runner. All teams have to do is bunt the guy to third and yeah. hit a sack fly. Yeah. And no one does it. <laughs> it's fundamental ball. 
if you're, if it's a close game late and you got a guy on second, you move him over <laughs> and you just make contact with the ball. And if it's a even a lightly tapped ground ball, ribby. Yeah. If it's a deep fly ball, ribby. <laughs> it's That's not great. that hard. I it, like. I don't like. I don't know. I, I I know bunting is much harder than people make it seem, but I mean, there yeah. has to. Be, if you're a professional baseball player, you should be able to lay down a bunt. Yeah, I mean that that goes back to you know the whole coaching too. I mean, if you're if you're a coach and you're going to teach young kids, you know, bunting is a part of the game, and it's just not taught a lot anymore, especially in the MLB. Like. I mean, that goes back to, you know, the whole launch angle and all that stuff. They're, that's what they're taught. You know, they're not taught to just make contact or, you know, if you're in a bunt situation, you know, you have to be able to bunt. Um, you know, and I, I know, you know, they're doing the, the universal DH, so you're not going to see a lot of bunting anymore, but it still is a part of the game. Um, and I think it still needs to be taught. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to crap on MLB as much as we did prior because uh, they are making some strides in order to, you know, get this thing back rolling. And, and um, you know, they, they were actually listened to the fans and, and made changes. Um, obviously, the big one, as we mentioned earlier, the shift. Um, but, you know, so. I'm surprised with how far the owners actually came. I didn't think they would. I Yeah, agreed. Uh, you know, the players, they, they, they actually it took a long time, unfortunately, but they actually negotiated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's one thing too that will bug me if they don't enforce it. They had a pitch clock at the stadium. Yeah. But it would always never be enforced. Yeah, they, they it was definitely uh, it was like a loose rule. They definitely didn't you know enforce it if it was if they went over it. Look, and, and you know too, like I'm fine with playoff baseball. They're lenient with it. Yeah. Because it's playoff baseball. It is entirely different. Agreed. But in a regular season game, the games have to move quicker. Two, two and a half hours should be the longest game. Yeah. And that's it. But, yeah. Uh, and they're, they're definitely making strides. So I will give MLB, you know, their share of credit. Um, that I, I didn't think – the owners were willing to go that far and they, they actually did. So, um, you know, I know there's always going to be someone that says, Oh, they should have gone farther too, but it's like, right. that's not how negotiations work. You gotta, you, you gotta be lenient. You know, you gotta, you, you gotta settle sometimes, you know, you're not going to get everything you want, but you know, you, you Oh, know, but they're billionaires. Yeah. Only four teams voted against this one. Right. Right. So yeah. that's saying something. They, they found a place where they're like, okay, we can make money. You can make money. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're billionaires and they want to make money. I get it. You know, I, I'm yeah. not on their side. I'm not really. I just want to see baseball. That's my thing. I just want the game to be played because I love baseball. I can yeah. sit there and watch a nine inning game. I know not a lot of people can, but baseball has been a passion of mine since I've been a young kid. Yeah, agreed. Now, let's talk about the Phillies because they made a couple of moves today. Yeah. Well, yesterday. Well, one. Yesterday. Uh, they made one, no. They made two today. I mean, one today, right? Two. Uh, they signed Brad Hand. Yeah, I know that one. And they re-signed Odubel Herrera. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to remember that one. Yeah, I, I don't see why uh, they're bringing back Odubel Herrera. He's not a great center fielder, and 
I was listening to 97.5 this morning, and I think it was Jamie Lynch that was saying – no, no. No, it might have been Andrew Salchunas, actually. But he was saying, you know what's going to happen? Oduble Herrera is going to hit really like a really high average in April and then suck because he does it every year. And I don't think he's wrong. No, it was Salchunas, actually. Listen, but, the only way that you tell me that you're bringing Oduble back is if he's a bench player. That's it. Because that's all he is. He's not yeah, a starter. The Phillies are apparently still in – they're looking – for other pieces, uh, they're linked to Matt Chapman. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the, I mean, the A's are being, you know, I mean, they made a trade today, obviously. Which we uh, have to talk about because it's NL East related. We will. But the Braves gave up a lot for Matt Olson. Um, so, you know, the A's won a lot back if they're going to give up, you know, someone like Chapman or, you know, any other guys that they have. But um, our, look, my, my biggest question with that is. If I'm the Braves right now, yeah, wouldn't you cherish your prospects and try to re-sign Freddie Freeman for like a three, four-year deal with like a lot of money involved? I think if if I'm the Braves personally, I I do exactly yeah I I I, I say Freddie, what do you want? And I say okay, I'll give you what you want because a he's been there his whole life, and b you just want to he just want a World Series for you. So I'm about to say he's been the Braves' face for so long, and he, you're downgrading with Matt Olson. Let's be real. I mean, listen, Matt Olson's a great player. He's an All Star. You know, he's 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 a good hitter. Trust me. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not discrediting Matt Olson by saying that, but yeah, I think Freddie Freeman is he a better fit. Yeah, Freddie Freeman is a better player than Matt Olson, and I think most people can agree with that. So, you know, the fact that you're letting a guy go who's been there forever, he just won you a World Series, and you're downgrading at the position and giving up all those prospects, I just think it – I mean, listen, the Braves are still going to be a good team. They're still going to be contenders. Don't get me wrong. But I think they messed up. I really do. I, look, I, I'm not complaining about that. But just I mean, looking at it, like I, I try to think about, like, what's the best move for any team when a big trade happens. Yeah. And the two big trades that happened – like I was kind of questioning, like they don't really make all that much sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think I mean, this is going to be a wild off season for the MLB. I, I don't think this is these uh, the most recent activity is going to be it. Uh, do you see the Phillies trying to sign a first baseman? Um, I mean, like. I don't think they'll sign an everyday first baseman. I think they could they could sign a guy who plays some first base just to spell Hoskins. Um, I, don't I mean, do you think a guy like Anthony Rizzo is a good option now that they have the universal DH? Well, the, yeah, I mean, you could you know, if a guy like that, yeah, definitely they could if they wanted to just to you know have that guy who just is their is their DH and then you know when you when you need Hoskins for a day off then he could play first. Uh, definitely that for sure. But a guy who is going to play in the field over Hoskins, I don't see it. I think, yeah, I, I think Rizzo is a perfect example. I think if you're going to do that, it's going to be a guy who's going to be your primary DH. And you could afford it, probably. Oh, for sure, yeah. But, I mean, they obviously, they've been linked to Chris Bryant because Bryce Harper and him are close. But, um, you know, I mean, Bryant's going to be so expensive. I don't know if they're going to be able to. I mean, they could, I guess. But, I mean, I, obviously, I would love it. But don't get me wrong. Um 
you know, they've been linked to Kyle Schwarber. I would love that as well. Chris um, Bryant. I think, they, yeah, Chris Bryant, like I said, and um, like I said, like we mentioned earlier, Matt Chapman, but that would be via trade. So, you know, it, you know, and, and we, we, you know, we did sign some bullpen guys. Um, we signed Juris Familia yesterday or two days ago, whatever it was. Like you said, we mentioned, we, we signed Brad Hand. That um, was a weird one. I, I didn't see Juris Familia happening. Uh, before the lockout, you know, we mentioned this, Corey Knabel was a good signing. So they're just trying to bolster that bullpen up, which is great because uh, they, they have to. Um, but in terms of fielders, I think they need a corner outfielder. Um, still could use a center fielder, honestly, and honestly, probably a third baseman. Is- so now uh, with the bullpen, who are the yeah. lefties in the bullpen now? Alvarado and Hand? Alvarado and Hand, yeah. I mean – and again, the moves aren't done yet, but so far, yeah, I think I think those two guys will be your your left-handers. And you know, I mean, Hand, the last I think last year had a really down year, unfortunately. Um, you know, so hopefully he can bounce back. But you know, I mean, he's had he's had, he has a good track record. So um, you know, we're just signing guys who have been closers in the past. Amelia uh, was a long time for the Mets. Uh, Knable was a longtime closer for the Brewers. Then he moved over to the Dodgers. I um, mean, he, he was their setup. Familia man. had those two suspensions, didn't he? He did. He did. Yeah. And that's, you know, they kind of, they kind of, you know, kind of eat him out because they have Edwin Diaz now. But uh, he was their closer for, for a little while. Um, Brad Hand was a closer for the Padres and the closer for the Indians. I'm sorry, the Guardians now. Um, so, um, you know, we're just signing guys who have experience and, and, you know, have been in big moments, which is what we need, man. Uh, the bullpen still is as is our Achilles heel. So we're making moves. Again, we'll, as things happen, we'll keep you posted. But this is going to be a very active offseason in baseball yeah. all, all the way around. There's going to be a lot of movement and there's a lot of teams that need to improve that are good. I think the Phillies have potential to improve a lot. Agreed. And it, I, they have to make another move to be contenders in the NL East. Yep, I agree. I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, the Bra- like the Braves are still right there. The Mets are making moves. They signed Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer before the lockout, uh, and they just traded for Chris Bassett from the A's. So uh, their pitching should be solid. Obviously, they have Jacob Degrom, who's you know a perennial Cy Young candidate, um, and that you know they have good hitters. Uh, you know. I mean, Pete Alonso today was in, actually in a car accident, so thank God he's okay. Dude, that well, I watched that interview with him. He yeah. looked shook. I mean, so yeah. uh, like, honest to God, prayers Our, out to that guy. Like, I can't imagine what that's like because that that's like one of those things where you have flashbacks from. Oh my God, yeah. So. I mean, he, did you see a video of his car? I mean, he had to kick out of his, he had to kick out his windshield to get out with his wife. I did, I did not see the video of his car. Yeah, I mean, his wife, you know, took a video of the of the damage of the car, and it was yeah, it was bad, man. Um, they said the car flipped over three times. So thank God he's okay. That's insane. Yeah. So he he, the fact and like the whole time during his interview, he was like, I'm I'm just honestly happy to be alive. I'm blessed to be here and healthy. I'm like looking at him. I was like, dude, I I think that the Mets should just give him a couple of days. Oh no question. Yeah, no question. Definitely. Just uh, by a couple of days, I mean all the time he needs. Yeah, for sure. Dude, the only thing I can I, – I can't even understand what that's like. So – Can't even imagine. Dude, holy hell. Yeah. That, I mean, th- thank God he's okay, honestly. Like, I know he's a Mets guy, but, I mean, that's just- it, it, Yeah, but that, that goes back into the – 
sports thing where something bad happens to someone. It's like, as a this fan, it's like, yeah, dude, just say so you're glad he's okay. <laughs> mentioned it last year when when Dak Prescott had his ankle injury you know it was it was a bad injury um Dude, so you never, like, it, all like things like that where it's like oh my god it's bigger than the game I think yeah there are things that are bigger than sports and that's one of them yeah so uh, thank- living living is most importantly bigger than sports uh, yeah of course so um, um but I mean, the analyst is gonna be tough like it is every year man um you know, the, the, the thing too, I, the Mets' new owner Steve Cohen, he's not afraid to spend money, and that that's something that I think Middleton's going to have to compromise. He's going to have to spend more money than he's accustomed to to win. For sure, for sure, and they can. The Phillies can. I mean, they're you know the Phillies are they, they can. Um, they're, they're one of those teams that can do it. Um, you know, maybe not as much as the Dodgers and the Yankees, obviously, but. Um, they still they are capable of doing it. So if they if they want to be successful, especially in this division, like you said, they're gonna have to spend some money. So uh, George Niang just made a sick three. So sorry, I was looking at that. Uh, but that's that's really it so far. It obviously free agency and trades are just kicking off. So what else? Uh, there's nothing else for baseball. Yeah, I mean a lot of trades so far. So um, you know, we mentioned the Matt Olson trade. Um, it looks like the Reds are selling. Uh, they just traded Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez to to Seattle. Uh, they traded Sonny Get Sonny Gray to Minnesota. Um, so it looks like looks like the A's and the Reds are in uh, are in sellout mode right now. Uh, the Phillies have also been linked to Nick Castellanos. Yes, that was another one too. I forgot. Yes, that is a big one as well. So. Yeah, that that's just going to be a if they do sign Nick Castellanos the whole time it's just going to be and there's a drive to deep left field yeah. by Castellanos yeah the uh, hopefully Tom Brenneman doesn't do any uh any games for the Phillies yeah that, no I don't, I don't hope that but <laughs> yeah well you know speaking of uh, commentators uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman went to ESPN I yeah. can't believe that they gave them the bag. Like who who could Fox even possibly think about it? That's like Al Michaels retiring and just saying deuces. Yeah. I mean, which might have to do because the dude's old. Um, but yeah, they gave I mean they gave Aikman and Buck the bag. I mean, I know I don't know how much they gave Buck, but I know they gave Aikman like ninety mil. <laughs> so uh Joe Buck is better than Troy Aikman, so yeah, yeah. Look, you know, I, I the, the one thing, too, I, I know Troy Aikman's a Cowboys guy, but Troy Aikman is usually not unfair with his analysis. Yeah, I know. I hate to say it, but he's actually, yeah, he's not a bad announcer. I, like, And Buck has grown on me. I used to hate Joe Buck. I, I do, too, because, I mean, I mean, I still kind of do. I, I just feel like every time the, the Cowboys are on, they're just in love. I, I've, I, you know, I listen to Joe Buck a lot more with baseball. Yeah, he does the playoffs a lot, so. And he's very biased with the teams that he likes. So well, that that's why I disliked him, but. Well, the Cardinals, because his dad was the announcer for the Cardinals, so. Yes, that's exactly why. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but, yeah, he's definitely, he's he has gotten better for sure, but you can still tell and. I mean, he has Aikman in his ear the whole time, so he's going to be like, oh, the Cowboys are amazing. You know, they're the best team ever. And, you know, it's hard not to, you know, 
favor them when you have a guy right next to you talking about him. But he's definitely gotten better uh, as of late. All right. Well, let's uh, move into the big topic, Chippy. The NCAA tournament. Take it away. This is your bread and butter right here, man. All right. So I'm going to go through the first round. I'm going to tell you who I think is going to win and who I think is going to lose. Every region, just real quick. All right, yeah. Rapid fire. Look, Gonzaga is going to beat Georgia State. If they lose to Georgia State, someone's going to win a bunch of money. Someone always bets big on the 16 seed. <laughs> I don't see it. Gonzaga Gonzaga has – they're probably going to make the Final Four. Uh, they are, in my mind, the king of the choke. Yeah. They get there. Mm-hmm. And then they just let it up. Mm-hmm. They could have beaten Baylor last year. They could have beaten Baylor. Mm-hmm. That was the year. Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Gonzaga all year long. And then to lose like that. And I, I think a lot of the people in the media really underrated Baylor too. Yeah, and they did. College basketball is about matchups. You could have some small random school come in and win. Oh, yeah, no question. So we'll see. Uh, Boise State and Memphis, this is all in the West region. Yeah. Uh, I think Memphis might take that. Uh, if okay. I'm a betting man, I would put Memphis there. Uh, UConn, New Mexico, Big E supporter, go UConn. Arkansas, yep. Vermont. Arkansas has some really solid wins this year, and if they can get it together and keep it consistent, they might be able to make a run. Okay. Uh, Bama versus either Rutgers or Notre Dame. If Rutgers wins that game, Rutgers had pulled off some pretty significant upsets, so I don't know. And that's that, a question mark game. I haven't quite decided. Yeah, that's the that's the 11 game, right? Yeah. Uh, so obviously those are two of the teams that were on the bubble, technically. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've seen teams, you know, in that game especially make deep runs. I mean, US, UCLA last year was an 11 seed. They made the Final Four. Um, so, you know, it's not out of the question. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you never know. I don't think Rutgers will make a deep run, but I think that they can uh, do some dancing in the tournament. Okay. Texas Tech, Montana, Montana State, rather, Texas Tech. Yep. Michigan State, Davidson. This is an interesting one. It is, uh, yeah. Davidson has a transfer from Michigan State, I believe. Really? So it could be a big-time uh, get-back-at-Michigan State game. Damn, what are the odds of that? Uh, Duke, CSU, Fullerton. As much as I think it would be hilarious that Coach K would lose in the first round, Duke. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just seems every every time Duke's number two, they they underwhelm. Uh, but I think they I think they'll, they'll win that game for sure. All right, we're moving on to the East. Baylor, Norfolk, Baylor. Yeah, Baylor has a really solid team this year as well. Um, they haven't flown under the radar per se, but they're not the ones that everyone's talking about constantly. And uh, yeah, maybe if you're in a certain circle, you hear a lot about them, but for being as good as they are, I haven't heard as much. Uh, but I still think Baylor's a really solid team. Uh, North Carolina and Marquette. Now, uh, I, Chip and I were talking earlier just on a personal phone call, and I said, you know, two of the most disappointing losses Villanova had this year was against Marquette. Mm-hmm. Marquette has the ability to stay with the best of the best, but they also choke out games left and right for some reason. I don't know what it is. They're not consistent. They could pull off an upset, but I doubt it. Um I mean, it's the 8-9 game, I'm pretty sure. Um, I yeah. don't know the seeds, but yeah, it, that game could go either way. 
I'm a Big East guy, so I'm going to say Marquette. Okay. But that's a toss-up. So. As is every 8-9 game, let's be real. Yeah, I know. They're, they're the hardest ones to call. Yeah. All right. And then we have St. Mary's and then either Wyoming or Indiana. And Wyoming-Indiana is the 12 game. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I'm going to give that one to St. Mary's. I, I think these games are usually overmatched in favor of the higher seed. Mm. Uh, UCLA and Akron. Uh, UCLA, they played really well against Arizona, even though Arizona ended up coming back. Um, I don't think UCLA will be a team to just push over really easily in the tournament. I, I think they can they can make a run if they stick uh, just stick together and play their ball. Um, they're a good yeah. team. Yeah, they made a run last year, and they've I think they have pretty much the same teams they did last year. But they could definitely make a deep run. Yeah, they'll they'll be good. And then uh, we got Texas and Virginia Tech. You know, Virginia Tech surprised me. Yeah, man, I had a had a really good uh, you know, conference tournament. Obviously, won the conference championship. Um, you know, they're they're probably not in the in the in March Madness if they don't win that game. So, um. They're definitely feeling good about themselves. I really do think that they could pull an upset off here. If they're okay. coming in hot and they keep playing that way, they could pull that off real easy. Okay. But that's an undecided game for me yet. I'm still going through my bracket, and I have to do a little bit more research. I haven't seen too much of Virginia Tech, only their conference tournament. Mm-hmm. I know Texas is a solid team, but – uh, nothing really tremendous in my mind. So that's that's going to be one of those low seed potential upsets that you think about. Okay. Uh, Purdue and Yale. Purdue. Yeah, Purdue. No, I'm not even going to get into that. Yeah, Murray I, State, San Francisco. San Francisco is a solid squad, but I'm going to give that to Murray State. I think they played really well this year. Only, then, like, only like a few losses, I believe. Yeah, they're thirty and two. Yeah, so so they're I'm giving that to Murray State. I think they're a solid team that flies under the radar a little bit. Yep. And then finally, Kentucky versus St. Peter's. That's Kentucky, and Kentucky should be a team that you should watch later in the tournament as well. I think that they are a really solid squad, and they can uh, really do some work. And that's the East bracket. Next, we move on to the South bracket. We have Arizona and either Wright State or Bryant. Oh, I'm taking Bryant. I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> no, Arizona. Arizona is going to win that handedly. And uh, Seton Hall and TCU. Again, another eight and nine. I'm pulling for the Big East all the way, so Seton Hall. Okay. Uh, Houston, UAB. UAB has... They just came off of a couple of overtimes where they had some really solid games. That's a team to keep an eye on. Okay. I I actually like UAB in that. University of Alabama, Birmingham. Yep. And I it, look, uh, it really does depend. I don't know what's the name of their point guard. Uh, oh, I don't know. They mentioned it during the uh, the selection show too. I can't remember though. But he's been playing out of his mind. Yeah. And he's the reason that they like made those overtimes. So he he really 
took them to where they were at. And I think, look, in the tournament's the time to shine. One shining moment, baby. So yep. if there's a time to win, that's it. And I think UAB can pull that off. Okay. Then we have Illinois, Chattanooga. Illinois, 100% there. Uh, Colorado State and Michigan. Don't fall into the Michigan hype. If they win here, they're not going to make it out of the round of 32. And let me tell you why. They'd have to play Tennessee after that because Tennessee is going to beat Longwood by a ton. Mm -hmm. Tennessee is a solid team. They are. A really solid squad. Um, I'm going to take Colorado State in the Michigan game. But if Michigan can win, I'm not saying they can't. I just don't. I, I don't think their team is as stacked up as it has been in the past, and they've struggled this year. Okay. They were on the bubble, I think, in, in my mind. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Ohio State, Loyola, Chicago. I, I haven't done much research on Loyola, Chicago this year. Yeah. So... To me, this game is a little foreign. Like I said, I haven't done all my research just yet. I'm, I'm starting to fill out my brackets. Um, they're going to be in probably by the end of the night tonight. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say that's a toss-up game, too. But I think Ohio State probably has the upper hand there. And finally... The the most interesting game of the bracket for me, Villanova versus the University of Delaware. Go Cats. <laughs> Go Cats. Go Cats. Now, funny story behind this. Um, I'm in grad school at the University of Delaware right now. When I was watching Selection Sunday, I was with my girlfriend's family, and they're, they're talking in the kitchen, and I'm watching Selection Sunday. Drinking a nice cold Coca-Cola. And Villanova's name pops up with the University of Delaware. And I just start cracking up laughing like a madman. <laughs> and everyone's like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, the Nova's playing Delaware. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I go. I went to Nova and I'm going to Udell right now. So uh, I, I go there online. So I haven't been to campus. So go Cats. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, I literally texted you during the this election show. I'm like, what are the odds of both of your schools ending up facing each other in the tournament. It's great. In the first round of the tournament. I, that, that's what I, I just thought it was so funny. So but, uh, Delaware, man, Delaware. I mean, you know, they have, uh, they have Jameer Nelson's son actually. So, um, you know, they're a solid team. This is also a Dylan painter revenge game. Mm. So he transferred out of Nova to play at Delaware. Cause he wasn't uh, getting the playing time he wanted. So we will see. I don't even know if that's the whole story, but that's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, well, I feel like anytime you transfer, it's because you're not really playing time, so. All right, let's move into the last bracket, and that's the Midwest. You got Kansas versus either Texas Southern or Texas A&M. Uh, what, what's the uh, random Texas, Texas A&M branch? Corpus Christi. Yeah. Um, Kansas. Yeah. San Diego State Creighton. Listen, Sean McDermott's a good coach. Yeah. Big East all the way, baby. See, uh, 
Creighton. Creighton, yep. Iowa-Richmond. I think Iowa is a team that people overlook, and they can make a deep run. I, yeah, I think that they're an Elite Eight team. Yeah, I heard on the selection show that they're uh, actually ranked fourth in scoring in actually the whole country. So, uh, you know, teams know, the team knows how to score, and uh, so, uh, you know, they should be a high-powered offense, and we'll see if they can make a deep run. They're an Elite Eight team for sure, and they could squeak into the Final Four. If, if I'm being honest with you, they're an electric team, and if they are upset, I would be astonished. Okay. Like, I've been wrong before. I think everyone's bracket's crap. So oh, if, if, ever, if anyone comes to my bracket and is like, you lost all of these, be like, so? I'm definitely not the only one. Yeah. Um, Providence, South Dakota State. Uh, I'm giving that to Providence for sure. Um, I know South Dakota State has a pretty good record, if I remember looking at that right. But I, I know Providence and Ed Cooley is a good guy. Now there's a couple like Seton Hall in the big East. I'm just picking them because they're in the big East, but I know Ed Cooley is a really good coach and he's going to take them either to the sweet 16 with round of 32 or sweet 16 minimum. Yeah. Yeah. He's really brought that program uh, out of nothing basically. And he's, he's put them on the map for sure. Providence has always given Villanova problems too. And that, you know, Conference games are conference games, but I've seen a lot of them, and I can tell you that they're a very experienced squad, and they can play ball. Yep. All right, then we got LSU, Iowa State. I'm taking LSU in that one. No real reason. I just think LSU is a little bit better. I'm taking Iowa State because um, my high school actually uh, – or a kid on Iowa State went to my high school. So. Oh, no that. kidding. Yeah, taking that for that sole reason. Oh, I mean, we'll see. I'm not – too worried about it, but yeah, it could be wrong. Then we have Wisconsin and Colgate. Wisconsin's another team. They're a flash pan. Yeah. They're either going to catch fire and make it deep, or they're going to lose in the first two rounds. <laughs> and look, the first round, they should win. Yeah. That's how it is. But they could, I, they're either going to lose in the second round, or they're going to make it potentially to the final four. Okay. Uh, and uh, like I know saying that is a cop out, but watching Wisconsin this year, they're either on or they suck. But if they <laughs> get hot, I think that they could make it far. Yeah, well, they're a three seed for a reason. So uh, they had that one bad loss to Indiana recently. Yeah, that's really all that I can think of. <laughs> then USC Miami. I think Miami has a solid squad, and I'm going to take Miami. Okay. Uh, no discredit to USC. I think they're really good as well. Uh, Miami is another one of those teams that either plays really well. I think the matchup's good for Miami, and I think historically Miami has a better tournament recent of recent years, a better tournament track record than USC. And then finally, Auburn versus Jacksonville State. Auburn's going to win by a mile. There you have it, folks. There's your round one predictions from the man himself. Listen, I could be wrong on any of those. I Would don't know every single college team. There's too many of them. <laughs> but I do spend a lot of time with college basketball on in the background, and I catch a lot of games. So... Yeah, man, it's definitely your forte. So this is uh, – I finished top. top three in my bracket challenges each of the last three years. 
So there you have it. Dude knows what he's talking about, folks. I don't always pick Villanova to win either. I do have him in my final four, though. <laughs> um, should be a good one, man. Should be a good tournament, and uh, it's anyone's ball game, honestly. Yep. And that's I, – I'm going to have more commentary on college basketball next week. Mm-hmm. That's when the electricity is. I Like, I have the chills right now thinking about watching March Madness. Yeah, this time next week we'll know what the Sweet 16 is, so – I remember every year I've been working so far since I graduated college, the week of March Madness, all the guys pretty much do nothing at work. As they should. And I think no one cares. Yeah. So it, it it's going to be a fun day. It is indeed. We were dead one time at work uh, about four years ago, and – uh, I remember my boss talking to me, and I was just like, the only thing I really want to do right now is watch college basketball, and I'm kind of upset that I can't. And she <laughs> said, well, why don't you? So I pulled up on the computer, and I streamed college basketball. Good boss. Good boss. She said, just wear headphones, and if uh, anything pops up, I need you to take care of it. And only one thing popped up all day. Shout out to your old boss. Yep. Oh, my new boss is great, too, but it's – Shout uh, out to your boss. Yeah. Yeah, if they're, which I doubt they are. Yeah, probably not. Uh, and then, yeah, no, 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 I've I've had I've had good luck when it comes to that stuff. But hey, it's March, baby. Buckle up. And on that note, I think we've reached our destination for the day. That was fun. I love the tournament. I love going through brackets. There's nothing better than printing out a paper bracket and then filling it out. I usually fill out three different ones for three different uh, pools that I'm in. And, you know, one is always the off bracket. Yeah, so. I mean, you gotta, you know, you can't have the same bracket every time. You know, you got to switch it up a little bit. And, you know, you're bound to have one that is not so good. Yeah, and, you know, the, the games that I said were toss-ups, what I like to do, the ones where I know for sure – even yeah. if you disagree with me, the ones that you know for sure lock in and the toss-up games in your mind flip-flop on the other bracket, and it usually pays off for you on one of them. Yeah. So you're not going to get all the first round. No one ever does. There's going to be some crazy upset none of us ever saw coming. Um, I, I think the biggest strategy to think of when you're making a bracket, look at the 12 seeds mm-hmm. and look at the 10 seeds. Yep. And they're usually going to be the upset games that you could have seen coming but didn't. For sure. Uh, and there's always going to be one choke. One choke job. And I mean a big one. So. That will be, yeah. Well, all right. We've reached our destination. I'd like to thank you for listening to the Philly Bandwagon Podcast. Go to phlsportsnation.com for all your Philly sports wants, needs, and desires. Go to the podcast tab. Go to the PHL Bandwagon. You can find us on Spotify there. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio as well as Google Podcasts. If we're not on a podcast outlet that you like to listen to us on, uh, shoot us an email at phlthebandwagon at gmail.com. Let us know. You can also shoot us um, different topics that you'd like us to talk about. Um, We do have an open mailbox, so 
feel free to shoot us a message. Uh, we really do enjoy interaction. Speaking of interaction, you can follow us on Twitter at the PHL Bandwagon. You can follow me at PHL Ryan Michaels. You can follow Chip at PHL Chip Tiernan. We have a Facebook, the PHL Bandwagon. You can find us there. Um, never getting an Instagram. Maybe, maybe not. Doesn't really matter at this point. Baseball's back. We'll see one, one of these days. One of these days. Uh, you can go to the Weg Shop. You can get your TBW merchandise. You know, get a nice T-shirt now that it's starting to warm up. I missed the hoodie already. I mean, you can still buy one if you want. Yeah, I mean, a, a nice chilly summer night, I guess, whenever those are. Yeah, and then just save it for next winter. Yeah, just go to the Poconos and spend your summer there, and you're probably going to get a 40-degree night or two. Or just go up to, like, Alaska or something. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're in the cold, we probably got you. Probably. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I think that's it. We'll see you at the next stop. Go birds. Go birds. Go birds. Hey, guess what? Don't say it. Don't say it. No, I know. No, guess what? Guess No, it's good news. No, no, I don't care. There is no more Hector Neris or Andrew Knapp on this team. But there is Greg Murphy with a promotion. Well, guys, it was a good run. (laughs) It was a good run. I'll see you at the next stop. Go Birds.